the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We start hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show with our weekly visit with Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio. Matt, his website is OpportunityOhio.org. His substack is The Patriot Mind. Matt saw the Tim Ryan interview on CNN where he's critical of Joe Manchin not supporting Joe Biden's green jobs agenda or green spending or whatever it is. And the direct quote is, I don't think that inflation is really an issue. What do you make of Tim Ryan's comment there? And is it one that you think might come back to haunt him in the fall when he's running against J.D. Vance? Yeah, I mean, I think it shows Tim Ryan is disconnected from Main Street, Ohio. I mean, maybe for congressmen who could, you know, get their flights paid for by the taxpayer and have their, you know, $175,000 salary with uh, pension benefits, maybe maybe he doesn't feel the, you know, 9% plus inflation that's hit us. But the absolute worst thing we could do is put out another massive spending bill that floods the market with more cash that will drive inflation even higher and hurt the essentially working class and, and working poor with uh, whose wages have not kept up. So, you know, Tim Ryan is just disconnected. And, yeah, I think it's going to come back to haunt him in the fall, showing him he's out of touch with Main Street, Ohio. I was surprised to see that he's outraised Vance nine point something million to two point something million. And that's a significant deficit for J.D. Vance to overcome. That would, to me, tell me that Ryan is going to win the TV advertising game. Yeah, well, keep in mind, Ryan had money in his house account that he could shift over to the Senate race, uh, and J.D. did not have that benefit. Uh, so so that's, that, that puts him in ahead just to begin with. But, yeah, look, he's out raising Vance, and I've heard rumblings that, you know, Vance is not uh, out there doing what he needs to do to raise the funds. Uh, he switched, I think, in the last few days, his position not to take uh, PAC money, so he's now going to accept PAC money, I think, because he realizes how hard it is to raise money uh, in, a, in, a, in a place if you're not going to take, you know, the PAC money that comes in. But at the end of the day, I don't think the money is going to be the, the different, different factor in that race. I think it's going to be, one, do people want more of the Biden agenda? Or two, do they want someone to slow or stop the Biden agenda? And, and I think that that's, that's going to win. And more importantly, you know, is Ohio red state or, or not? And, and I think that's going to come through as well. So I don't think Tim Ryan's money is going to help him at the end of the day. But it would be nice if J.D. Uh, and his team could uh, bring, bring, bring more money into the bank so that uh, there wasn't such a huge gap in terms of, of cash on hand. Uh, we speak with Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio every week. Follow him on Twitter at Ohio Matt. We've talked before about Ohio and Ohio's growth or lack of growth. We've talked about losing a congressional seat this year. Interesting stories on your website, a study of where we're headed long term in Ohio. And it doesn't look like it's good for Ohio. No, it doesn't. I mean, if, if you look at the long-term trends uh, from 1990 and project out to 2050, what it looks like is uh, two things that hit Ohio. One, over that span, we're going to lose seven electoral votes, which means we, we're going to lose seven congressional members. We've already lost uh, three, uh, maybe four, and then we're going to lose more, which means our political power in Washington is going to shrink to a point where we're going to be uh, down to the 10th state instead of the 7th state. 
uh, in terms of population. And that just means less political power, right? What, what happens here is going to matter a lot less, and we're going to have our, our representatives that we send to Washington are going to hold less power. Um, and then if you look within the state, you know, the, there's been a massive shift uh, over the last 30 years, and it will continue from essentially the, the rural parts of Ohio into the Collar counties of, of Cleveland, uh, Columbus, and the Collar counties, and Cincinnati and the Collar counties, where the 3C corridor in 2050 is going to be fairly populous and should be probably economically strong. But the rest of Ohio, those essentially other you know, roughly 60 counties, are going to be really dying on the vine, uh, losing population every decade uh, to a point where if you, if you look at the state of Ohio and you go from the northeast section uh, corner all the way down through Akron, Canton, Youngstown, uh, into the Appalachian counties, over to the essentially Collar County of Cincinnati, that whole crescent is going to be a bleeding population. And so it's already poor. Uh, it's already struggling. It's only going to get worse uh, in the coming 30 years because what, what's not happening is our elected officials are not making the, the decisions that will empower those places. So great example, you know, Intel, Intel, Intel. That's all we hear about from the yeah. DeWine Houston administration. Well, that's going into collar counties of Columbus, right, this 3C corridor. So that doesn't help and won't help. Uh, the places in Ohio that need new businesses, need new jobs, need new life. Uh, so that's just going to continue for the next 30 years unless we see a fundamental change uh, by our policymakers in Columbus. Okay, so that worries me as a conservative because what I see when you put more people in and around uh, cities that now are heavily blue, uh, it turns the state blue. Is that an alarmist viewpoint or not? No, it's, it's, it's actually a, one that we need to watch because the, the fact of the matter is, if, you know, the, the, the closer you get to a big city, the bluer you get, right? And if the people who are moving from the rural parts change how they vote from voting red to voting blue or they get overwhelmed by that, then, yeah, Ohio could slowly shift to a purple, potentially blue state uh, by, let's say, the 2052 presidential election. Now, the shift of population in America will, will benefit the Republican Party over the next 30 years uh, as more of the red states uh, become more populous and therefore gain more electoral votes, more political power. So big winners, Texas will gain electoral 18 electoral votes, Florida 12, Arizona 8, Georgia 6, Nevada 6, uh, and then Colorado 4, North Carolina 4, Washington 4, and Utah 3. The loser states, New York's going to lose 10, Good. Pennsylvania's going to lose 8, <laughs> Ohio 7, Illinois 7, Michigan 6, and then Massachusetts and California will each lose 3. And so if you think through that, right, if that shift continues and the people that are moving to those states that are gaining don't change the color of those states, then that's going to be, that means if you were to look at the the 19, uh, 2020 presidential election and you were to essentially, you know, say the same results happened in 2052 by state, uh, the 306 to 232 Biden-Harris win shrinks to 294 to 244. So they still win, but much closer and remember, if Georgia uh, goes back to being a, a red state and uh, you know Arizona goes back to being a red state, then that right there shifts the entire election back to the Republican Party. So there is going to be some interesting trends happening here over the coming decades if the population trends continue as they have been. So I have two things I want to get to quickly as we uh, wrap up. We're with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org, and you can find those very interesting projections on his website, OpportunityOhio.org. Uh, first is I care a lot about uh, my friends uh, in Shelby, Champaign, Clark, Auglaize, Mercer County. That's the meat of the uh, people that I deal with in another endeavor that I'm involved with, PressProsMagazine.com. And also that's a big part of our audience on 94.5 in Dayton. So what can Ohio do 
to bolster those counties, and then particularly in eastern Ohio, where the population you know losses look pretty significant according to your projections. What can we do for those areas so that that doesn't happen? Well, I think there's a couple of key things we can do. One, I think we can, most importantly, get right to work past in Ohio. So Ohio, writ large, is a far more attractive place for manufacturing and uh, those types of jobs to come. I think that will help the rural areas quite a bit. Two, you know, I think we have to look at how, how what kind of infrastructure we have. You know, do, can we should we continue to to pop along here with these cruddy airports down in you know essentially Kentucky? That is the Cincinnati airport, the cruddy one here in Columbus that is you know landlocked and small and doesn't do much. And then Cleveland's lost its its heft. Is there a way to essentially create? Uh, the Denver International type airports uh, here in Ohio for, let's say, the Cleveland Columbus market, the, the Cincinnati Dayton market, that makes those areas far more attractive for business and, and consumers. Right? There, are, things something that's always baffled me, Bruce, is you know if you go to West Virginia, you've got the Greenbrier. If you go to uh, Pennsylvania, you got Nema calling. Yep. Well, look, you know, southeastern Pennsylvania or Ohio is just as beautiful as those areas. Yet. There's no five-star resort down there. There's nothing you know, that attracts a lot of people. And you know, I was just down there this, this week at the Wild, which is a fantastic you know, uh, uh, safari wildlife refuge, uh, a massive piece of land. And you, know, you have to wonder, why, why, why did no one ever figure out how to put a five-star resort down in that part of Ohio that they would attract secondary and tertiary businesses that, in terms of recreation, hunting, uh, going, you know, going to the wild, doing safari-type things? Uh, golf, the things that, again, have become an economic hub engine in that part of Ohio, because it's really a a very beautiful part of our state compared to, let's say, you know, the the eastern, western part, which is, you know, largely farms and and fields, right? So there are things we could be doing. uh, One one other piece that I have advocated and will advocate, you know, forward is decentralizing Columbus state government. Do we need to have all the stuff here in Columbus, or can we decentralize you know, the Division of Natural Resources out to southeastern Ohio. Can we put something up in Toledo in some of those areas? To, you know, the Department of Agriculture, does it need to be in Columbus, or can we can we move that whole operation out to, to Mercer County, right? Um, so there are those types of things, I think, that policymakers can do to reinvigorate uh, the, the counties that are, are essentially dying on the vine. And if they don't, uh, boy, I hope those voters in those, those counties start making them pay a price for that. Matt Mayer, Opportunity Ohio. Check him out on Twitter at Ohio Matt. Great to talk with you, Matt. Appreciate your time. So we do have truth on our side. I wish we had truth when it comes to this statement circulating out there, purportedly from the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, about the COVID diagnosis. For the 46th president, Joe Biden. But alas, the statement you are reading looks legit, but it is not, in fact, Donald Trump's statement about Joe Biden getting COVID. But whoever fabricated this has not only pulled into their ruse several uh, blue checkmark Twitter folks who I like a lot, Clay Travis and Molly Hemingway, to name a couple, but it's so well done that I had to really dig in. I'm not going to take Snope's word for it that it's fake. But I did go to uh, another couple sites, and what I've discovered is that the statement was not emailed to people who are on Donald Trump's mailing list for his official statements. So if it was not emailed to those people, then we know it's fake. Why do I bring up something that's fake? 
because it's really, really funny and really, really well done. So it's pictured like it comes from Trump's official stationery and all those kinds of things. Here's what it says. Statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. You ready? Joe Biden, who many have said is our worst president, has come down with a case of the China virus despite being vaccinated. I hope Sleepy Joe is able to bounce back quickly, much as I was. Doctors describe my fight against the China virus as Herculean and not meaning the woke Disney Hercules, but rather the Kevin Sorbo one, the Lou Ferrigno one as well. Joe, I wish you a speedy recovery, even though you are taking America in the wrong direction. No one wants Kamala. Now, if Trump were going to issue a statement about Biden getting COVID, that's pretty close to what a knock it out of the park quintessential classic Donald Trump statement would be. But, but, that is not Trump's official statement. You can laugh at it, you can enjoy it, because it's certainly very, very Trumpian, but it is not, in fact, authentic. Now, someone who is authentic, that you may need to rethink your opinion of, is, oh, this is going to hurt, Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh. Yes! You're going to have to suspend a little teeny tiny bit, maybe more than that, of your disdain for Coach Khaki Pants. Why? Because last weekend, Jim Harbaugh was speaking at the Plymouth, Michigan Right to Life dinner and auction. That's right. He was the keynote speaker at a Right to Life event. And this is what Jim Harbaugh said about the abortion issue. I believe in having the courage to let the unborn be born. I love life. I believe in having a loving care and respect for life and death. My faith and my science are what drives these beliefs in me. Quoting from Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jim Harbaugh. Taking a stand, uh, I love this, not only because it totally matches my own view of the evil of abortion, but because I admire people who are willing to take an unpopular stand and show the courage of their convictions in doing it. And when a leader like Harbaugh does it, it emboldens other people who may not be as comfortable, as courageous, to do it themselves. The worst kind of squishy, wishy-washy person out there is typified by the incident that occurred this past week in Minneapolis, where they booked to appear the comedian Dave Chappelle. Now, Dave Chappelle is a big star. Dave Chappelle is a hot-button topic right now because Dave Chappelle has been open in saying true things, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman and a trans woman is not really a woman. And a trans man is not really a man. It's just a biological woman pretending to be a man. 
That's Dave Chappelle's controversial opinion. Now, why do I say the people who booked him are squishy, wishy-washy, the worst kind of people? Because as soon as there was a modicum of pushback on them scheduling Dave Chappelle to appear, they canceled his show. Now, I understand why you would avoid booking Dave Chappelle, because Dave Chappelle's controversial. Dave Chappelle is a guy who's going to bring you a lot of attention, and you shouldn't be surprised if you book Dave Chappelle that you're going to get pushback from people who don't like his opinion on the transgender movement. But if you're going to book him, are you so stupid that you don't know that's coming? And if you discuss that ahead of time, what is your hope in booking Dave Chappelle? Is it that nobody will nobody will have anything to say about that? It won't offend anybody. I mean, of course not. Everybody knows if you book Dave Chappelle, you're going to have to deal with the pushback for booking Dave Chappelle. So if you go forward with booking him, I would think you would have thought through the kind of reaction you're going to get from the people who oppose you booking. But to book him and either be so dumb that you don't see what's coming or to be so weak that you don't even attempt to defend booking him, that makes no sense to me at all. I'd rather, if you don't want to book him, I get that. Okay, you're entitled to your opinion. I disagree with it, but you're entitled to it. But to book him and then back out, there's just no way to look good in that situation. You were too stupid to figure out it was going to be controversial or you were too weak to stand behind your decision the minute you got a second of pushback. So this is why I say it's important to know what you believe and why you believe it, and that's why I try to arm you with things that you can say to people when they engage you in conversations and they throw labels at you. You know the label's coming. You know you're going to be accused of being racist or homophobic or transphobic or whatever. So instead of waiting until the moment when those slurs are hurled at you, why not prepare in advance for how to handle those things? And to have and probably better off asking questions than you are making statements because statements just lead to arguments. But if you make someone who's a leftist think, well, <laughs> that's kind of entertaining because they're not used to having to logically make sense of their viewpoints. For instance, on the whole transgender thing, say if they tell you that, you know, I believe in God, too, and I think he loves everybody and Jesus would welcome transgender people. Yeah, he would. He absolutely would welcome transgender people. But. He wouldn't just abide them in their delusion. One thing you could ask is, well, if you believe in God and you believe in transgenderism, do you believe in a perfect God? Do you believe in a loving God? If you believe in a perfect, loving God, how did that God make the mistake of making your son a biological male when they're really a female? Because that doesn't seem like a perfect God would do that, nor does it seem like a loving God would do that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.